Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Estelle Ryan took quite a risk creating Dr. Genevieve Leonard, the brilliant body language expert and international investigator who's the lead character in her art fraud mystery series, because Genevieve also registers on the autism spectrum. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler, and today Estelle explains why she needn't have worried. Readers love Genevieve's honesty and vulnerability, and the series has grown strongly, with a 13th book coming soon. But before we talk to Estelle, just a reminder, the show notes for this binge reading episode can be found on the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find a full transcript of our chat, plus links to Estelle's books and website, as well as details about how to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. But now, here's Estelle. Hello there, Estelle, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's lovely being here, visiting with you. Yes, it is. Now, look, beginning at the beginning, which is where I do like to start because I see it as a narrative. Was there a once upon a time moment when you decided you wanted to write fiction? And if there was, was there some sort of catalyst for it? Yes. Um, You know, I do believe that in my life um, there were more than just one moment that led up to this. But there was a defining moment for me when I was in grade four. And uh, we we were finished with our syllabus for the semester and the teacher asked me to tell a story. And I got up in front of the class and I told them about how the aliens landed in our backyard the night before and all the conversations I had with them and the stories and I described them. And yeah, and after this, the kids loved it. And after this, um, the teacher told me that if I did not write children's stories one day, I would be making a huge mistake. And it stuck with me. Um, I'm not writing children's stories because my imagination is not quite in that direction. Um, but I think that was the begin. That, that opened up my mind to more suggestions of from different um, different people, different um, situations. That led me to this point where I'm now writing fiction. Yes, that's a great story, and it sounds like you were made for for fiction, doesn't it? It really does. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I really remember the story about the aliens. Where did I get this from? But I, you know, it also, it kind of explains why when I'm not writing, sorry, when I'm not reading crime, I am reading science fiction. It might explain that too, aliens. (laughs) (laughs) So your Genevieve Lenard st- series has now reached book 12, which is a fantastic feat in itself. But am I right in thinking that you actually started out in romance? That is correct, yes. Um, I wrote for a South African publishing house and I wrote in Afrikaans, which was an incredible challenge for me because it's not my first language. 
Um, and the, the language itself, the vocabulary is not as extensive as English. And um, it was an incredible learning curve for me and uh, and very valuable. I had to learn how to describe things with, when I didn't have the right vocabulary. Um, and I also realized and I gained an incredible respect for romance writers because I realized just exactly how hard it is to write a really good, engaging romance that is light enough to enjoy um, and silly enough in its own way um, but also that is emo emotionally engaging. Um, and I wrote seven uh, very short uh, romance novels. Um, and then I then I thought, no, this is this is not my genre. This is not what I want to write. And this is not my language. It was really hard. Um, and when I when I wrote the first Genevieve book, it was oh, it was like coming home. Um, it just felt so comfortable, but I had learned so much um, writing the romance novels. It was fun too. Yes, yeah. So you you moved to mystery. So, but why didn't you move to say science fiction at that time? Uh, <laughs> 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 That's a very good question, science fiction. Me and my beginning with aliens. <laughs> um, because uh, as much as I do enjoy science fiction, I simply, I, I, my mind is totally blown by the skill that science fiction writers have in their world creation. It's incredible. It's absolutely amazing. They they make up these entire different universes. Um, that's not quite where my mind goes. Um, and I've always been an extremely avid mystery reader. Um, and I love the puzzle. I love the mystery. I love the the complexity of the plots and, and all of that. I just loved it. Um, and that is that is why I decided on mystery. Yes, great. Now, Genevieve Lenard is an international art-themed series for those who haven't come across them before. And Dr. Lenard is a high-functioning expert in body language who is also on the autism spectrum. Did it feel risky to develop this character at the beginning? It, it really is quite a courageous decision to make, I think, to have a, a character, a lead character, who is so different from the, quote, norms. And she is difficult. Yes, she is a she's a difficult character. Um, yes, I when when I started writing Genevieve, um, I want. Oh, sorry, when I when I when I started developing the series, I wanted a character that had internal an internal struggle, but I didn't want it to be of the the average. Um, mystery novels that you find the detective who is an alcoholic or the detective with major mar marital problems or um, who has a horrible boss or you know one of those situations I wanted somebody who was fighting her own internal struggles and and winning even though sometimes she's losing too um, and I realized that to be true to be to keep the integrity of um, the spectrum of autism, I couldn't make her like uh, I couldn't make her neurotypical. I couldn't make her easy, and um, <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised at how well received she was in the first in the first book. 
because I expected a lot more negative reviews um, because of her, because she is a challenging character. Um, but I wanted it and I, I, I was willing to take the risk. Yes, and it's to your credit that although she is difficult, you make it understandable why she is reacting that way. So perhaps you manage to keep the public sympathy for her as they at the reader's sympathy as they're as they're reading. I try to. I um it is actually quite interesting. The first book I started writing in third person. And I think I got to just about the heart, no, maybe not that far, one third into the book when I realized this is not working. And I changed it to first person. Um, and telling it from her perspective um, puts us into her mind. And I think this is when you are talking about um, keeping the public sympathy and creating an understanding of what she's going through. It's through putting us in her mind as she is going through this, um, which gives us a much better understanding of her thought processes, of her panic, of her obsessions and all of that. That's right. And you have often been asked, I know, if someone close to you is autistic because you do have a remarkable empathy for the character. And I know that you've given this reply a number of times, but how do you answer that question? No, that is the, that is the the simple answer. I I don't have anyone close to me, and I am not on the spectrum. Um, where and how the empathy comes, I don't know. I I just when I started doing the research, I just felt such a connection and I, such an understanding of what um, of what these people are going through. I I can't claim to truly understand it because I am not on the spectrum, um, but. Yeah, it, it's there. It's there. Um, but no, nobody close to me. I do have quite a few people close to me with other mental health issues, most of it being depression, which I think we are all familiar with. Um, and, and I don't know. I think this is also something that um, encouraged me to, to um, use a, a challenge that is not often um, spoken about and not often um, depicted in fiction in a very positive way. Um, a lot of the um, characters on the spectrum in either um, on movies or TV or um, even in written fiction are very awkward um, to the point of unlikable and rude, although Genevieve has her rude moments. Um, and also, they, they are often, they, they seem like losers, and I didn't want that for her. Um, and I think that a lot of people who are struggling, whether it is any kind of being non-neurotypical, being on the spectrum or um, fighting with depression, um, the pressure to be like everybody else is overwhelming at times. Um, and I, I wanted to write a book where it's okay to be different. Yes, and I think that you saying about being a success, that's that's really appropriate too because quite a number of books that have mental illness are often quite depressing in themselves. The people aren't particularly successful in their lives, are they? So. Yeah, yeah. And and even though and nothing in Genevieve's life is um, orthodox, her relationship is not, her friendships are not, um, definitely not the way she approaches it. Um, and obviously I had to create a, a circle of friends around her that were maybe more understanding than the average person on the street. Um, but since none of them live orthodox lives, it made it much easier to, to create them as more understanding. 
Um, but that's it. I didn't want somebody who um, who was failing in her own life, even though it really is a daily struggle for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, you mentioned some of the people around her and several of your secondary characters have become so strong that they could probably <laughs> warrant books on their own. And I'm thinking of Vinny, the bodyguard chef, for, for starters. I gather readers have been asking you if, if you're going to do a Vinny recipe book. Nonstop. Everybody's asking me for a recipe book and I have such a giggle about it. I um, I think I should stick with what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the recipe book, I can't even write a fictional recipe book. Um, I enjoy cooking, I do, but I'm a lazy cook. I just throw everything together until it tastes good. This is my kind of cooking, which I suppose, the, you know, that could also be a recipe book, but Vinny <laughs> would definitely be very unhappy with me. I'm, I'm more like Francine, add more spices. <laughs> 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 yeah, so no, no, no recipe book yet. Maybe, you know, never say never. You may never know. <laughs> and do you think that Vinny might even someday have his own series? No. Uh, again, never say never, but the way, no, no, I can't, it's a very good question that you're asking there. And no, I don't see that. I don't see any of the other characters veering off on their own. Um, the team is far too interwoven and working together for me to want to separate one of them. Yes, sure. Now, each book is themed around an artist. So for those who don't know, you get um, Gauguin, Braque, the whole, there's quite a wide spectrum of artists that are featured. How do you choose your artists? Um, every book is, is a different process for me choosing the artist. Um, sometimes the, um, the art itself plays an important role in the plot. Sometimes the history of the artist plays an important role. Um, in the plot. Sometimes the era plays an important role. And depending on that is how I make the decision. And at the end of the day, there's also um, some more pragmatic factors that I have to keep in mind, like the artist's name. It has to fit on the cover. (laughs) If the name is too long, it, it, it has to be squashed up or divided to fit on the book cover. And if it's too short, it just, it doesn't look good. So I also have to keep that in mind. But yeah, it's, there are quite a few factors. I think it was with Dante. um, And that was interesting how I wrote most of the story before I actually, um, the, 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 the artist clicked with me. And um, I had to go back and do some editing as well because the plot really involves Dante, both Dantes. Um, And that was, every book is different. Now, that's interesting because I was going to just ask you next because it just had occurred to me whether you decided on the artist first and then that really dictated the plot. But I can see that that isn't how it happened. No, no, not at all, not at all. um, There there are a few things that... um, that I would say dictate the plot before the artist. It would be, um, I I make a decision what kind of technology I want to include in the specific book. Um, Each book has its own weird kind of technology, not not just technology, the one was bioweapons, the other one I had drones, Um, I had 3D printing, all these kind of things that's included in the books. Um, So I also, that that for me is, maybe a little bit more important in developing the plot where the artist 
is um, also important, but it plays a different role. Yeah, yeah. How have readers responded to Genevieve and what do they tell you that they like about her and the books generally? Uh, as Like I said earlier, um, I was really surprised at how positive the response was to Genevieve. Um, the the, the um, feedback that I get a lot about her is how many people can connect to her and understand and identify with her. Even people who are completely neurotypical, um, there are certain characteristics in her. Um, I think also the fact that she's so honest about who she is, um, that really connects with people because there's a freedom in that that a lot of us don't feel because society doesn't give us the freedom to just be who we want to be. There's so much um, unspoken social pressure that we feel um, we have to comply to. Um, that she's real. I get that, that people love the fact that she's so real and that she's trying so hard, um, that she's making an effort to not change, but to understand and uh, incorporate other thinking into her life. Um, about the books, uh, this, uh, this, this for me, I think, is one of the biggest compliments that I got about my writing and about the books is so many readers talk about how um, when they read a book, it feels like they are visiting with good friends or with family. And they they really love the team. Yeah. They love the, the friendship. They love the understanding, the support, um, the relationships. They love with Vinny's cooking. <laughs> um, and, the you know, even the, the arguments that they have between them in the team um, and the struggles that all go through, um, I think that is the, the thing that, that the readers connect with and this is what they enjoy. Yeah. You've said that you're a coffee shop aholic and that you do a lot of your writing in sympathetic coffee shops. So, I just can't imagine being able to write in that environment. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your process. How do you not get distracted? Um, I choose the coffee shops very carefully. Um, they, they are, the music is important. Um, if the music is too loud, I can't focus. Um, if the music is not um, coffee shop background music, but it is in, too energetic or it's not for my mood for that day, for the, for that matter, then I, I, I can't. Um, I'm very good with, with cutting out um, external noise, um, but if somebody's having an incredible, fun conversation next to me and there's a group of people chatting and laughing, that's also distracting. And um, then I just... I pack up my stuff and I go either home and work there or another coffee shop and work there. Um, so I don't always not get distracted. Uh, there, there are times that it, it's, or I'm just not in the mood. It depends on, it really depends on my mood because I can work in my office or in the living room or in the garden or in a coffee shop. It all depends on the mood. Yes, yes. I'm interested that you mentioned the music because in the Genevieve books, music features very strongly she uses music to calm herself and to help her to concentrate. And I wondered if music was a personal passion of yours. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. It's a huge part of my life. Um, 
a classical um, I have a classical background in music um, but from that um, a very deep love for jazz and blues and when I'm cleaning my house I need heavy metal um, that, <laughs> that gives me the angry energy I had I need to clean the house <laughs> but uh, now music plays a large role in my life and and really what I did with when I when I started the series is I just took all the passions I have in my life, politics and all the interests I have and history and geography and technology and music and psychology. I threw it all together and, you know, stirred it around a bit and started the series. Yes, yes. Well, moving away from Genevieve to a more general focus, is there one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that you'd feel might be the secret to your success? Hmm, no, uh, really no. I think it, it really, it is a combination of everything. Maybe in one period it is more of one thing and another period is more of another thing. Um, but at the end of the day, the secret is to sit down and write. That is yes. the secret, um, which is not always that easy. Um, but... Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe the secret in my life would be my self-discipline, the fact that I am so determined to um, have a routine, to do the writing and the research and to do the best that I can. But I can't point out one specific thing, no. Certainly to have written 12 books in a series, you have got persistence and determination in, in, in oodles. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people might call it being stubborn, but I, I call it determined. Now, determined is a much better word, yes. <laughs> now, as well as your fiction, you've written for numerous international magazines and you've edited a lifestyle magazine. Uh, you mentioned some of the topics, actually, that fascinate you, so we might be sort of repeating ourselves a little bit. But how has that journalistic work influenced or how is it reflected in your fiction? Uh, it's definitely the curiosity that comes with, as a journalist, you know, um, this is the, the the best and the worst part of um, our character is being curious of asking questions and more questions and more questions. Um, I remember when I was very little, I didn't ask just the normal why questions. I asked, I remember I was I was younger than four because we stayed in it in one town until I was four years old. And it was before that, that I was sitting outside with my dad. He was polishing his shoes. And I, I said to him, because everyone was on the news, and I said to him, Dad, can you explain to me exactly what is the problem with this Middle East peace thing? Why can't they just make peace? <laughs> and I remember my dad looking at me with shock in it on his face so I've, I've always had quite a, a lot of interest in the world around me and um, that definitely I loved the, the the journalistic part of being able to ask questions with the excuse of being a journalist um, and asking questions and getting those answers gave me so many new perspectives um, that I realized that Life can be so much more interesting looking um, through different sets of eyes. Um, so definitely huge influence on my writing. Mm. And the Lifestyle magazine, what, what kind of focus did it have? Was it, was it interiors or gardens or a mixture of everything? Uh, no, the Lifestyle magazine was for expats. 
and oh, it focused okay. on yeah, it focused on surviving in a foreign country. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. We call this podcast The Joys of Binge Reading because it caters for people who love to discover an author and then read everything that he or she has written. And I think that you probably have been a binge reader yourself in the past. Can you share with us some of your favorite authors and the ones you'd recommend to other people? Uh, yeah, definitely. The top of my list would be Daniel Silver. I'm I'm a huge fan. I love his work. Um Lee Child is uh, he his his books are just guaranteed entertainment. It is lighter reading than um, than Daniel Silver, oh, but I love it. Um, and I love the larger than life heroes that he has. Um, Jonathan Kellerman is another one that I enjoy. Um, I haven't recently read any of Nelson DeMol's latest books, but he I I did do a lot of binge reading on him. Um, and Ian Rankin also enjoy his books. Yes, yes. Oh, they're all very, very big names, aren't they? They oh yeah, yeah. have made their way in the world. That's right. Yeah. So circling around from the beginning to the end, at this stage in your career, if you were doing it all again, what would you change, if anything? Oh, that that, that is such a hard question. It is the typical if you had known then what you know now, what would you have done differently? A lot. But then I wouldn't have learned what I know now. Um, if I were doing it all again, um, I don't think I would change anything. Um, I think I would, from the beginning, try to have a better routine and to find, um, to force myself more to relax because I kind of get into this, I do a total Genevieve hyper-focus, workaholic thing. Um, but now, writing itself, no. I think I, need, I needed to go through the process to learn what I had learned. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And publishing has changed a lot over the period you've been working too, hasn't it? Incredibly. Um, the the whole landscape has changed with with self publishing and um, the, uh, the of course with ebooks um, and how the marketing happens and how easily accessible books are now um, versus before um, and it just it's amazing and it continues to change nonstop. It's it's quite interesting to watch. Mm, that's right. So what is next for Estelle as a writer? What are your projects that are under development at the moment? Book 13, that mm-hmm. is what I'm busy with at the moment. Um, so the next connection of Genevieve Lenard book. Um, and then I have something else that's in the back of my head um, so that is separate from, from the Genevieve series that I'm playing around with. But I'm not finished with Genevieve yet. There are still many more stories that, that needs to be told. But for the moment, right now, I'm, and I'm also very linear in my work, I only do one book at a time. I marvel at writers who can write two or three books at the same time. How is that possible? My <laughs> mind simply just works in one line. <laughs> so, so I am doing one book at a time, and at the moment it's book 13. <laughs> <laughs> and how long does it take you to do a book, um, Estelle? You- oh, my goodness. Um, 
to it really depends the the planning the writing the planning can take me one week or three months the writing can take me two weeks or six months um it depends on so many things most of it my mood which <laughs> which is really not such a good thing um but you know then life happens and you know i need to get the plumber in and that takes the whole day and then i lose a day of right you know how it goes yes yes so um, so now I'm, I generally I work on about four to six months, which usually lands up being five months per book yes. from beginning and, to end. And it does sound as if you're an outliner and plotter rather than a pantser, as they call them. Oh, completely. Again, how is it possible to sit in front of an empty screen? <laughs> I, I just I think it's amazing that writers can do that. Other writers can do that. I can't. I need I need a plan. I need uh, I need to know where I'm going. So yes, I I do a lot of planning. By the time I actually start writing the the narrative and the di- and the the dialogue, I uh, I have everything planned. I know exactly what's going to happen in the next scene, the next chapter, the next until the end. I think that might be a journalistic thing as well, because when you've worked as a journalist, do you know that you've got a, a structure that you're working to, and it gives you confidence. That is true. You know, I never actually thought about that. That's a very good point that you're making. Mostly, but but I've, I always have been a planner, and I think maybe this is also why I enjoyed the the journalistic side of things um, because I, I enjoy the having sorting out the structure before I start writing, so I know how to form and how to to lead the story to the next point. So, um, good point. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a planner as well and I I just couldn't imagine sitting down and it just would feel just wrong to do it that way (laughs) and it's so interesting when I listen to other writers when they say they can't imagine planning a book Um, I read one one writer who said that she planned a book and it was for her it was the most torturous torturous moment to write the first two chapters and she gave up she she couldn't she simply couldn't write that book it was no joy and it felt wooden that the characters weren't real so she scrapped it and she started well with an empty page so I just know not for me I can't my brain it's and it's so fascinating how different our brains work there is really no one size fits all in in this um, creative industry of ours Look, one thing that I've wondered, have any of the autistic professional associations and societies picked up on Genevieve and made contact with you? Have have you had any approaches from people either congratulating you or asking you to talk at conferences and that kind of thing? Uh, not talk at conferences, but I've had quite a few um, people from the Autistic Society reach out to me. Um, uh, a lot of people who have autism in their family, so it's it's not mm-hmm. that professional. But I had um, one, two, sorry, two professors who um, deal um, particularly in the the autistic field, and um, I've had quite a few nurses and teachers who say that when they read Genevieve, it was like one of the children in their class or one of the students or one of the, the people who they work with every day. It was exactly that, which for me is so important because I want to be true to the spectrum. I don't want to normalize this and romanticize it. Um, so and, and that, that for me was important, the feedback that I got. 
Mm, that's great. Look, we are coming to an end. Where can readers find you online? Oh, that's very easy. EstelleRyan.com. That's very easy. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm I'm quite act not quite active. I'm not very active there, but I have photos of when I travel, and I I'm I'm quite um, engaging with my um, with the readers with the fans on Facebook. Um, but the easiest is EstelleRyan.com. That's wonderful, Estelle. Look, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to talk. Oh, Janie, thank you. It was lovely speaking to you. And we had a few false starts, but we got there, didn't we? (laughs) Of course we did. (laughs) Not a problem at all. (laughs) That's wonderful. Well, you have a great day, and I'm about to relax at the beginning of my weekend. I love this. You know, a few times I have conversations with people in Australia or with people in America. And it's just, you know, your day is ending or I'm speaking to somebody in America and it's like they are still in yesterday or they their day is just beginning. I love this. It's just, yeah, it's such a small, very big, small world, isn't it? It is, it is. So all the very best. I'll watch for the next Gen- Genevieve with interest. Oh, thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. Thank you so much too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audio services at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.